It's your American patriot, DJ Drew Shelton. With insight and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world, we welcome you to the Jewess Patriot Show. Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. Featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. Remember, you don't have to be Jewish to be with Cindy. And now, coming from our WGBB studios in the tri-state area, your Jewish patriot, Cindy Gross. Hello and welcome to the Jewish patriot. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Today's premiere... Jewish women activists, and you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of our show. Uh, it's a very important show because we are sharing, of course, trends and culture, but there is so much in the news regarding anti-Semitism and Jews around the world are uh, mourning. It's our nine days of mourning until uh, Tish above the destruction of both temples. So we are going to have a lot of discussion about that today and next week. Uh, as you know, I open each and every show with my pearls of wisdom because I am Zisel Pearl, Sweet Pearl. One of our guests today is the owner of the Freshwater Pearl Company, and he's going to discuss some of the uh, trends that are happening in pearl jewelry for uh, the end of the summer, early fall. But before uh, we go to our interviews, I would like to share my pearls of wisdom. And this one is a very special one. I actually had some tremendous notes from a devoted follower of the show, Henya Storch. Henya Storch is a Jewess patriot herself. She is an activist. She is a registered nurse. And she is a consultant to the international organization Atara, which is for religious women who are in entertainment, performing arts, and visual arts. And it is involved in Israeli and Jewish causes. And she's also involved in many health organizations. So from Henya, I got a little bit of an understanding of what's going on in the world today as it relates to the nine days. Many of you know that this past week, President Herzog uh, spoke to Congress. I was actually supposed to be there. Uh, and um, many of you are listening, depending on which media outlet you're listening to, uh, you are uh, following different kind of opinions. If you're towards the left one way, the right the other way. But this coming week, we have Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu coming. And for me, I'm more excited about that because to me, Bibi is a hero. And it was quite an embarrassment how he was invited to this White House. What a difference administrations make. Um, so people ask us, as anti-Semitism is rising today, to think about some of the thoughts that went in the past, because during this time of mourning, a lot of things took place. Um, there are many, many, many things that went on during uh, the days before Tisha B'Av, such as the Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the new month. It's always been filled with tragedy. 
uh, it's always, um, been about, uh, a one state. Israel is Israel religiously, historically, legally, financially. And it is a one state where Jews, Christians, and Arabs have freedoms, including the right to vote and including the right to have money, to educate, to own jo- uh, own businesses. And women have freedoms that they have in Israel that they don't have in 22 other countries surrounding them. It's the Yotzite of Aaron, the brother of Moses. His, his Yotzite is mentioned in the Torah of a man of peace. And a lot of people relate that, that he's in the Torah of a man of peace to Mashiach coming and to the destruction of the temples of a time of peace coming after great destruction. And they relate that. And uh, it's very important also to recognize that during these days that people refrain from a lot of things like eating meat or drinking wine or dancing, going to movies, but they are very well aware of the excitement that comes afterwards, the excitement of the first Shabbos afterwards and I look at it today with all the anti-Semitism going on, all the violent crime going on, that we are being told that something good is coming in our future. A couple of other things that are in the news this week. Joey Borgen, one of the people that uh, attacked him for being Jewish in the middle of Times Square, was sentenced. Uh, there were a couple of incidents reported of anti-Semitism around the state of New York things that we don't normally hear about that are coming commonplace because social media is sharing them right away. And so as we talk about fashion today and jewelry, and we're going to actually talk to somebody today from Israel, I want you to think about there's a reason these things happen. There's a reason why there's so much bad going on. We are being tested and questioned if we're ready for the peace and the joy that comes when Mashiach comes, when uh, we are all joined together and we all live in harmony and we look to work together, not against each other. I'll be back after the commercial. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pro Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types ranging from Baroque Freshwater Pearls to Coin Pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi Pearls for all types of budgets and designs. 
You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterprocompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. I'm really excited about having our next guest because he's coming to us from Israel. He is the most listened to podcast out of Israel, um, Israel Story. Mishy Harmon, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. And you're really here to discuss a very uh, exciting, passionate project of yours, signed, sealed, delivered. It ties into the 75th anniversary of Israel. And it also ties into a lot of the news that's going on today. So tell us a little bit about Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Sure. Well, first of all, hi. Lovely to be here with you. Um, and um, on this sweltering, sweltering day here in Jerusalem. Um, so as you said, uh, I am the host of Israel Story, which is the... Um, basically the best way of explaining it is that it's like the This American Life of Israel. It's a podcast which tells human interest uh, stories about people who live in this corner of the world. And to our delight, um, over the last um, seven seasons has emerged as the uh, most listened to uh, Jewish podcast in the world. So we're very excited about that. And this uh, year, um, Israel celebrated its 75th um, anniversary, and we decided to mark this milestone by launching a sub-series within the podcast, which is called Science Seal Delivered, in which we went back to the Israeli Declaration of Independence, which David Ben-Gurion uh, read on May 14th, 1948, and which gave birth to uh, the country. Um and we um, essentially skipped to the very end of the document and to the 37 men and women who signed the document. And we asked a very simple question. Who were these people? And what did they imagine? Now, all of these signatories are long dead. And over the last um, eight or nine months, we've tracked down the closest living relative of each one of these signatories and interviewed them at great length. And we're releasing a series of episodes, one for each uh, signer, in which we both learn about the signer, but also through the eyes of their closest living uh, relative, which in um, some cases is a son or daughter, in some cases is a grandson or granddaughter. Um, we ask fundamental questions about Israel today in 2023. Have we lived up to the promise of the declaration? Have uh, we fell short? Where did we fall short? Um, uh, uh, how did the their ancestors who gave birth to this country, how did they imagine the country and what is it today and where? how would that map onto their expectations? Um, and the results are really fascinating. What's really fascinating to me and why I was really excited to have you on is because as I was reading the information, I'm an education activist and I fight a lot about the classroom curriculum that uh, has a lot of bias for in American history and also in the history of Israel and the Jews. 
there is a very big overlap in what you're doing to a lot of the what uh, people are trying to do today about learning about our independent uh, declaration of independence. Who signed it? Are we really following what their thoughts were? And we're a little bit older than you, 247 years. But we ask today every day in America the same exact questions that you brought up in the series, which really relates, I guess, to Jews around the world when we talk about our history. Because right now, as we know, the current outcry in Israel, in America, around the world for democracy and judicial uh, reforms is something that's making a lot of headlines. Uh, tell us how uh, your project relates to all this. Sure. Well, I mean, the the big difference um, between the American example and the Israeli one is that while 75 years is a long time and a lot has happened, uh, we all know, in these 75 years, it's also... Um, it's also in many ways not that long uh, a period. Um, so we can still touch the, the the signatories of the Declaration of Independence as people. Um, people are telling us stories about their parents or about their uncles. And uh, as such, just a moment before they become, uh, they sort of drift into the realm of being only historical figures, we're still able to capture who these people were as people. Um, and that's been a particularly interesting uh, uh, experience for me. Now, the first thing that's important to say about the group of people who signed the Israeli Declaration of Independence is that there were no non-Jews who signed it, um, and notably no Arabs who signed it. Um, but amongst the uh, 37 Jews who did sign it, um, there was a lot of variation. It's a little bit like a pointillist painting where when you look from afar, it looks like it's a pretty monolithic group of uh, Polish and Russian Labour Party socialists. But when you come close, you realize that actually they represented um, large, large parts of the Jewish population uh, at the time, all the way from ultra-Orthodox rabbis to atheists and from capitalists to communists. Um, and from old people to young people, there's some axes in which there was less diversity. There were 35 men and two women. There were 35 Ashkenazim and two Mizrahim. Um, but we wanted to ask whether 75 years hence that, uh, that diversity had expanded or contracted. And, um, it's very interesting to see how uh how these descendants who today represent um represent basically the entire Israeli society uh the entire Jewish Israeli society um though there are certain uh um descendants who are who are no longer Jewish who who are on our show um but uh it's it's interesting to see how that maps on to the society as a whole as you said Israel's um, in a particularly sensitive moment in which we're really debating um, in in a very public way what the desired character of this uh, of this state should be. Now, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, they imagined a state that would be Jewish and democratic. And my sense is that all of them really believed deep down, after months and months of working on this project, I can say that I think all of them believe deep down that that was not an oxymoron, that that was not a clash in terms for this country to be Jewish and democratic. 
And I think that that was, wasn't a, and that's something which today we're questioning. Is it possible for Israel to be a Jewish and democratic state? Is it possible for a democracy to have some uh, preferred or preferential treatment of a certain group over others? And I think that, um, there were many different signers of the Declaration of Independence, and many of them understood what they were signing in different ways. And I think for some of them, the Jewish uh, state that they were birthing into existence was going to be much more Jewish than it turned out to be. And for many of them, it was going to be much less Jewish or Jewish in different ways. And I think that these are um, that these are questions that are now, you know, we began this series before the last elections in Israel and before this wave of uh, legislation and um, demonstrations against the legislation. And uh, it's only becoming more and more relevant because we're all as a society going back to this foundational document and trying to understand where we began and where we ended up and where we want to be in the future. So I have a couple of questions to follow up. First of all, you know, when I talk to people and people ask me, especially non-Jews, about democracy in the Middle East and Israel, I tell them it's the most democratic. It's much more democratic than the United States, because let's face it, we're basically a two-party system. You guys are a real coalition building where people could have parties. And today, like you said, there are Arabs that have parties. There are Christians that have parties. There are Jews. And the other thing that is very interesting to me that I think you find in your series is a lot of the people who uh, signed it really were from uh, barren lands or they worked it together in the kibbutzes. I wonder if they would have ever thought in their wildest dreams that Tel Aviv would be such a desirable place in the world right now, like number one with real estate and all the international inventions that have come out, like ways and even things of the cell phone and irrigation things that even Israel's biggest uh, enemies use on a daily basis. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Many thoughts. Um to your last point, I would say that I think that um, most uh, of the signatories and the people who founded this state would be very surprised to see the direction in which Israel has gone, and in many ways proud, especially of the things that you talked about, um, though it is also noteworthy that they imagined a uh, socialist country with a very, very strong welfare system. And Israel has turned into a hyper-capitalist society, which would be surprising, I think, to many of them. Um, but I think that they would be very proud, primarily of the fact that Israel exists. I mean, we we um, are talking now, knowing what happened, but when they put their names on the uh, scroll of independence, they didn't know whether this experiment would uh, last and whether it would last in a successful way or not. Uh, you know, I want to remind you, of course, and the listeners that it was in the middle, not only of fierce internal wars between various different factions within within the Jewish population, but of course, within a war, a, a regional war with uh, with um, with Arab armies and with a local Palestinian um, population. And it wasn't at all clear that this was going to continue and that this was going to succeed. And Israel has succeeded and in many ways, as you said, flourished. I think, and this is something that's coming up in many, many of the interviews that we're, that we're conducting, um, 
from people who were at the time on the political left to people who were at the time on the political right. Um, and I, and many of them are saying that in that they would also be very disappointed in many of the outcomes of the Jewish state. I think the um, current assaults on democracy, which are which are significant and which are real, would be unimaginable to all of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And in fact, this is what the vast majority of the descendants are saying, that they're worried, that they're concerned, that they fear that if uh, if the uh, government's judicial reform continues in the way that it uh, that it, it seems to be going, we might not we might wake up into a country which is no longer a democracy, and that's something that's very frightening. Does Israel have strong um, democratic foundations? Of course, and it's a source of great pride. And our Supreme Court is a source of great pride, and our parliamentary system with all of its complications and all of its limitations is a source of great pride but even even but as you as you know we're a young democracy we have a very uh, short democratic uh, tradition and it needs to be maintained and nourished and unfortunately i think that today we're seeing uh, attempts to do uh, to do the opposite of that it's also noteworthy to say that um you know the 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 context that we're talking about is these Israel proper. Uh, but of course, you know, when you widen the lens a little bit to include our Palestinian neighbors, then the conversation about democracy and whether or not we've had a democracy here ever since uh, ever since 67 is a whole other conversation. Um, uh, yeah. So I was going to go into a little bit of that in my next question. I was fortunate enough to be at uh, the embassy opening in Jerusalem for the United States. And uh, a lot of the celebrations for the Abraham Accords. And now we're hearing a lot of countries around the world, some of them who have not always been friendly with Israel, are now opening branches of their embassies in Jerusalem. What do you think that uh, the signers of the declaration would think about something like that? I mean, a lot of them came from, like you said, Russia, and now Russia's opening one. And what do you think, given the fact of what's going on around the world with anti-Semitism as this is going on? It's like the opposite ends, growing anti-Semitism and yet growing relations with Israel. Well, interestingly, Jerusalem isn't uh, isn't uh, mentioned as the capital of the state of Israel in the Declaration of Independence, and that was very deliberate. Uh, whereas uh, Tel Aviv actually is mentioned in the in the in the, uh, in the Declaration, Jerusalem isn't, and that was because um, uh, at the time of the signing on May fourteenth, nineteen forty eight, the 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 um, future of Jerusalem um, was unclear. Uh, there were Jerusalem was under siege. In fact, eleven out of the thirty-seven uh, signatories of the Declaration of Independence had to add their signatures later because they were stuck in besieged Jerusalem and couldn't participate in the uh, in the um, um, ceremony, which took place in Tel Aviv. Um, and Ben Gurion and others who um, who framed this uh, text didn't want to put uh, Jerusalem in as a capital because this was a very contentious matter and, of course, remained a contentious matter for for decades and decades. My own personal opinion, look, I'm, I'm in my own private life, I'm a very political person, but as our podcast, Israel Story, uh, shies away from politics. Um, so these are not issues that we tackle in our in our um 
in our show. My own, uh, my own personal opinion is that, um, uh, sovereign states have the right to, uh, determine their own capitals. Um, um, so it always seemed though, though I belong in, in a very clear way to the Israeli left, it always seemed to me a peculiar, um, reality that, uh, that um embassies weren't in Jerusalem um having said that obviously these things have become hi- highly politicized matters and Trump's decision to move the American embassy um from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was um was was a dramatic one and of course when America does things it has larger significance than just the decision for America itself um but uh you know i i i bumped into um the um the american ambassador actually at the coffee shop uh yesterday on emika fame and uh <laughs> and said to he he's leaving uh now tom nides uh, right. uh and i said to him ambassador please help save us from ourselves and he looked at me and he said yeah good luck with that um but he and America have been very vocal about uh, about uh, what's going on in Israel um, these days, and um, I, I think there's something invigorating and very optimistic about uh, the fact that this has taken hundreds of thousands of people um, out to the streets, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I very much hope that uh, the spirit of the Declaration of Independence, which is one that calls for a democratic uh, regime here is one that prevails. You know, interestingly, while Israel as a Jewish state is mentioned many times in the Declaration of Independence, the word democracy does not appear in the text of the Declaration of Independence. It appeared in some previous drafts. And many people have tried and was taken out. Many people have tried to read into that, but um, it is very, very clear to me and I think to any reader of the Israeli Declaration of Independence, that the intention of the framers was to create a democracy here, one in which people have equal rights and one in which there is freedom of religion and freedom of conscience. And um, I hope that that is the Israel that we will continue to live in. And 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 frankly, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm not a prophet, but I'm I'm concerned. And I have a different approach to it because I do see Israel as the strongest democracy. You just look at the, you know, Gay Pride Month and where was the biggest parade around the world? It was in Tel Aviv. Look at women from all backgrounds, business owners, educated. They don't have to, you know, wear coverings over their face. It is absolutely an, a place where everybody is finding opportunity. It is a place for the first time in a very long time with the rise of anti-Semitism and the rise of the end, you know, the fight of ending Judeo-Christian values that Christian Zionists and Jews feel they have a place to go, which they didn't have, you know, 85 years ago or a hundred years ago or in other times. And this is a conversation we have to have you back to continue. And uh again, just tell everybody, where they can find you, how they could listen to your podcast, and um, any other information you want to share. Sure. So um, anyone can search for Israel Story um, on any of the podcast platforms, on 
Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or anywhere else, or go to israelstory.org. Um, and most of our episodes are human interest stories. We're now devoting this year to telling the this very, very detailed tale of the Declaration of Independence through these stories of the descendants. Um, and I hope that listeners will be intrigued and uh, will listen. And it really, it's it's for people who are interested in Israel and for people who have no interest whatsoever in Israel, um, but are interested in both good storytelling and particularly with this ser- series in um, democracy, frankly. It's about the facts about Israel, the history. People uh, are learning today in schools things that are just not true. And going back to a document, having somebody research it, explore it, and really relate to the people that actually wrote to it is a very, very important experience that must be shared over and over again. Nishi, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Thank you. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot, where you don't have to be Jewish to be a part of our show and to be uh, a part of my pearls of wisdom, because as many of you know, I open each and every show with my pearls of wisdom, and I can't do it without the beautiful pearls from the Freshwater Pearl Company. And joining us today is Brian Schultz, who has been dressing me in pearls now for a couple of months. And I have to tell you, I have never been complimented so much on my jewelry. And anybody who knows me knows I'm a jewelry person. But the pearls, the combinations of pearls with other stones, uh, people are just going crazy and uh, recognizing it. And we're going to be doing some uh, special collaborations together on the show in the near future. So, Brian... Thanks for coming on again and tell us about what's going on this summer with pearls, because everywhere I look, I see Baroque pearls. Yes, Cindy, thank you. It's great to be here again. And I really appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your Pearls of Wisdom. So thank you for that opportunity. And you're right. Baroque pearls are everywhere. And I think it's not just something this summer. It's been trending like this now for, I'd say, six or 12 months. As you know, you were that all broke necklace. I actually designed that for someone who asked me for that necklace just over a year ago. So the trend continues. And I think the things that we're seeing most going into the summer are the stones. We're seeing the turquoise, we're seeing the Amazonite, and we're seeing the mixing match with the, with the Baroque freshwater pearls and the combos that we've put together through our lariats, through our bracelets, as well as our earrings. Those are the things that, I are, that I'm seeing right now that are selling really, really well during the summertime. So because uh, um, people see me a lot on my social media, they see a lot of the necklaces. And I am getting a load of compliments on the lariats with the stones together with the pearls. And I actually layer them with the uh, the Baroque necklace that you're talking about. And I know that uh, turquoise is also such a hot uh, stone right now. And what I am seeing in trends for the designers I'm working with that are now working on international resort collections, 
that people aren't looking at turquoise as just like a three-month stone. They're wearing it all year round, and they are preparing uh, wardrobes around turquoise. What are you seeing with that? I see the same thing. So we have two necklaces that sell really well. And I think you have both and you wear them both very, very well. It's the Lucy Lariat necklace and then the Lori uh, Lariat necklace. Both turquoise. Uh, the Lucy's a little bit more petite with smaller Baroque pearl ends. And the Lori's a little bit uh, heavier, more substantial with larger Baroque pearl ends. And they sell year round. I will say, though, in the summer, in the last two to three months, they've really picked up to the point where the Lucy is sold out. And the Lori, I think I have four left. So I will be making a new order. They'll probably be coming in in the next three to four weeks. I'm having a summer sale uh, right now. So a lot of things are discounted. And if anyone would like either of those, since they are so popular, you can reach out to me and DM me on our Instagram uh, or Facebook. It's at the Freshwater Pearl Company. I'd be happy to honor the price for you and uh, certainly follow back up when those do come back in stock. If that's something that you choose, something that you'd like to do and make that purchase now so you can lock in that price before before end of summer and before the sale uh, does end here. And I, w- I could vouch, if you reach out to Brian, you will get the most complimentary email back. You will get a text. You will get a phone call. And when you purchase the necklace, and hopefully you'll get a set with the bracelets and various uh, earring sets. And even he has a couple of rings that go beautifully with it. You will get a handwritten note and a personal thank you. So I, I'm suggesting to everybody reach out on the social media because unfortunately, as everybody knows, everything is going up in price, but Brian is willing to honor the prices as they are now. Speaking of bracelets i recently started wearing bracelets uh from the freshwater pearl company because i'm not really a bracelet person so much and i was at a party the other day and i wore all three different color the baroque and everybody was grabbing my wrist and telling me they're going online to check it out tell us about the trends in the bracelets because i know you have a lot of uh new bracelets especially with the Amazonite stones. Yeah, so the one that you're speaking to, the all broke, that's our Nile bracelet. And that's one of our tried and true uh, bracelets. It's got a nice durable clasp. I remember you mentioning, Brian, I don't like anything that's going to fall off or anything that might be less secure. I think you can speak to it. It's me for now wearing them. It's a very secure clasp. And it comes with a little pendant, too, that you can take off and wear on a favorite necklace. Or you can wear it and have it as a pendant that hangs on, on the bracelet. And the all Baroque look, whether you're wearing their all Baroque necklace or you're wearing one of the lariats or you're wearing our Baroque earrings, I think it stands alone. It's a statement piece all on its own, which I think a lot of our bracelets are. Uh, some of the other ones you talk about, we have the coral bracelet. It's a stretch bracelet, uh, mix and match with Amazonite stones and freshwater pearls. And then we have uh, two other types that I think are really cool. They're adjustable bracelets. So they have a pull string clasp. One's the Galilee comes in the Amazonite stone and one's the Scotia that has a a leather adjustable clasp and it comes in multi-strand Amazonite stones. These are all very popular. They pair very well with the lariats that we were talking about, as well as some of the earrings that we've also been talking about with the, with the Baroque pearls that are very, very trendy and popular right now. Well, I don't even wear any other earrings. I'm always wearing my Lanny and my Amosa uh, earrings. They're both, uh, Pearl earrings, they're both hanging. And as many of you see, I wear head scarves and a lot of hats all the time. 
and they are just the right earring that's not too much, but just enough to stand out. I know those are two of your most popular uh, earrings, and I know I wear my white all the time. It, it doesn't matter if I'm wearing silver or gold or I'm wearing multi-stones. I'm always wearing those right, white earrings. And everybody's trying to say, do you own another pair? What happened to all your earrings? <laughs> so. Yeah, those brooks. The, the Amosa is simple but elegant. There's no doubt. The brook, I think, is great. And uh, the Lanny, it's got the, the silver tone wire wrap, which makes that one very unique as well. Uh, the Lanny only comes in one color. It comes with a white pearl and the and the silver tone wrap. But the Amosa does come in four colors. So you have the dark gray pearl. You have the white pearl, you have the natural pearl, and then you have the silver pearl. So um, we did those in four different colors because we have a couple different necklaces that you can pair those with. And you mentioned the lariats before. You wear the Denise lariats, which are the silver and the dark gray lariat. And the Amosos match perfectly because we have the dark gray and the silver to match um, the, the Denise lariat and the Amosa earrings as a combo set. Just remind our audience, because... Uh... I'm very proud to uh, represent the Freshwater Pearl Company because not only is this a small business from an American businessman, but you also have a mission in your business of helping others and remembering, of course, your mother and uh, cancer victims and their families. Tell us a little bit about the mission of the Freshwater Pearl Company. Yeah, thank you. So uh, the biggest mission and purpose is my mom. We honor her 19-year journey with breast cancer, and she passed in February of 2020. And so I donate 2% of gross online sales to support cancer research. And so we've donated to Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where she received some treatment uh, in the last few years, the American Cancer Society. We work with the group up in Boston, Massachusetts, that supports women and families going through experience stage for breast cancer specifically. So a big part of what we do is giving back. We just did a June campaign with Runway for Recovery, and I'll be up there in October walking the runway in honor of my mom and just continue to find ways that we can help others in need, specifically around breast cancer. I think it's now one in eight women is impacted by breast cancer. And it's almost like uh, every time you talk with a friend, a colleague, or a loved one, we keep hearing more and more people being impacted uh, by breast cancer. So it's it's certainly something that is a, a big part of my heart to honor my mom and then to help women and families around the world that are going through similar experiences that we went through with her. And I know that, Brian, we've been in discussion. You're going to be back next month. We're going to do a preview of New York Fashion Week and some of the brand new pieces coming out from you and your company. And I know... One thing I notice about this company is that, let's be realistic, everybody's noticing prices going up everywhere. And people still want to look good and feel excited and get something new and update a wardrobe. And at the Freshwater Pearl Company, you are doing everything you can to keep the cost very reasonable, uh, to, to ship. And, I mean, people get their purchases within days. I mean, you have it in your hand. It's packed beautifully. You get it in a beautiful, sick bag with the personalized letter. And it's really a great way, whether or not you get a bracelet or a necklace or both, or you mix and match different stones to wear together. One thing about your uh, inventory also is that you have uh, jewelry for work, 
jewelry for play, jewelry for dress down, and jewelry for black tie. And for the most in terms of product benefit and differentiation is, is that our products are versatile and can be worn whether it's a, a day out uh, at the beach, if you wanted to wear them, ideally not get the pearls wet, but uh, you can wear them with swimsuits. You can wear them to coffee or lunch with a girlfriend. You can wear them to a black pie formal. You can wear them to a dinner date. Uh, very versatile pieces, lots of different color combinations. And something that I'm really excited about is uh, launching our combo sets. So if let's just say style and fashion isn't your thing, you can come to the Freshwater Pearl Company, go to the combo set page, And by the end of this week, I'll have nine combo sets built and I'll have another nine built by next Tuesday where you can literally see earrings, bracelets and necklace paired together. And I'm also going to be offering a 15% discount for you to buy the combo set talking about prices, want to do all that I can to make it as competitive and as reasonable as possible for people that want to continue to showcase products like ours and also give back to our mission and purpose of helping those in need with breast cancer. And I am making an announcement here right now. We are going to be doing an Instagram live together featuring the combo sets. I am, and I'm also going to say something else. I know, um, it's wedding season. It's the summer, but I know I'm getting a bunch of invitations ready for four weddings. And I could tell you it is not too late to think about those Labor Day weddings and you need either brides, uh, maids gifts or you're a guest and you want to dress up a dress. You have beautiful combos for weddings. We do. So we have a bride specific page. We also have a bridesmaids page. And then I separated gifts uh, on the page for simplicity and ease of shopping. Gifts under 50, gifts under 100 gifts over a hundred. So literally you can be on the site three clicks or less check out. As you mentioned before, I ship same day, as long as it's before 2 PM, my time here in San Diego, if it comes in after it goes out the next day. So you can get it within typically three to five business days. And uh, I just appreciate not only your support, but the support of all of our customers that we honor my mom and continue to give back uh, for those in needs with breast cancer. And I'm telling you right now, in the next couple of weeks, we are going to launch an Instagram Live together and feature these combo sets. Brian, where can our audience reach out to you directly? Yeah, you can direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at the Freshwater Pearl Company, or you can visit us on our website, thefreshwaterpearlcompany.com. I have a chat feature there. I respond to all the messages myself, uh, but those are probably two of the best ways that you can reach out and message me if there's anything that you need with any questions. And as always, you could always reach out to uh, the Jewess Patriot and Cindy Gross on my social media as well, because I will hook you up uh, with Brian very easily. Again, Brian, thank you for uh, being a part of Pearls of Wisdom, the Jewess Patriot, uh, sharing your wonderful pearls. Uh, you really brighten up so many people's lives each and every day when they put on a piece of your jewelry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Welcome back to the Jewess Patriot. And you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy to be a part of our show. Our next guest is a perfect example of a Christian Zionist who absolutely loves the country of Israel and supports uh, Judeo-Christian values. 
But I actually know her through a whole different arena, and that is the fashion arena. I was lucky enough to be present at her show, I believe it was either 2018 or 2019, when she was one of the rising stars of the Council of Aspiring American Fashion Designers. It was one of the biggest shows at Pier 59. It was in the days when the fashion shows were really hot stuff. The A-listers were all there. And she was the uh, featured uh, future designer, most promising designer in multiple global publications. Ruth Zabetta, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. Let's talk a little bit about fashion. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some things and trends you're seeing for fashion as we're getting ready for the uh, September shows. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me on your show, Cindy. And the future trends that, I, well, current and future trends that I'm seeing are just um, a lot of car- cargo um, fashion, like pants and then strapless tops and uh, wide leg, wide pants. And something that uh, it was very surprising was denim on demon. Denim on demon, which I didn't expect. Um, I didn't expect at all. What was great about your collections and what you are known for is feminine looks, mm-hmm. classics, making women feel uh, like every day is their bridal gown mm-hmm. and, and going out like they're at breakfast at Tiffany's and they yes. make them feel so good, especially in these troubled times. Where mm-hmm. do you get in- your inspiration from? Just everywhere. Even if when I get into my car to just to drive to work. Um, the trees, just the whole environment. And I always wanted to create pieces where you can either dress them down or dress them, you know, up. Maybe you get to work at five and then you um, you switch your shoes and put on some stilettos. And I just wanted some sort of, you know, um, variety. So you don't have to go home and change. It's just something that can do very quickly and just change from day to night. You also were known in the shows for your accessories. I remember those wide brim hats yes. and the belts and the, and the mm-hmm. boots. What is you? What are you seeing in trends and accessories? Well, I I feel like hats they never go out of style, um, but I do. I, I'm seeing some trends right now. Maybe it's just something very classic. But I I, I love um, pearl necklaces, and I feel either belts or ne- pearl necklaces. I think they never go out of style. And then just um, enhance, enhance like in any look. Well, you're talking to a girl who represents a pearl company, so and we didn't even plan I, that. I, I didn't know that. I just love pearls so much. Well, I open I my do. show with my pearls of wisdom. So yes, that is so funny. That is really yes. funny. In fact, one of the other guests on the show is a fashion fashion pearl designer. Special. Oh wow. I just, so, I love pearls. They never got of style. Never. I agree with you. I'm seeing pearls everywhere. And I think with the, uh, the debut of the Barbie movie and Margot oh, yeah. Robbie wearing that <laughs> mm-hmm. pearl choker, I think exactly. that is going to be a huge trend. Yeah. You know, you've been, you were really also an American hero. You actually left the uh, fashion world a little bit during COVID because you used your expertise in the nursing field. Tell us a little bit about that because you are heroes in two areas. (laughs) Well, I'm not actually a nurse. I just, um, 
was um, helping out patients. I do work in the business office, but any questions, any concerns, anything, any surgery has to be um, scheduled and everything. I was there for um, for the patients pretty much. And I actually ended up, up catching COVID there and I got pretty sick. But um, I'm, I just, I'm very thankful that I got to help people in those, you know, during those hard times. You represent a group of designers that we don't talk enough about, but we should. Mm -hmm. People that came to this country and love this country Mm -hmm. and are patriotic as Americans. Tell us a little bit about your journey. I just actually, I was just born in New York and I was raised between Dominican Republic and Spain. Um, Then I decided decided to move here and... Coming from a third world country and seeing the way the U.S. is right now, it's just, it makes me so sad. Um, United States is supposed to represent liberty and, and not what's, I don't, not what's going on right now in the White House, to be quite honest. Well, I will tell you that, uh, you certainly represent feminine fashion. And as you said, you like pearls. Mm-hmm. I remember when I met you and the ex- enthusiasm in the intricate details of your your mm-hmm. uh, clothes and everything and the hours you put into each piece. Yes. And I see you coming back stronger with this because I, I feel like there's a need for designers like mm-hmm. you who are looking to make people feel special and to mm-hmm. work with the the craftsmanship that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of pieces are you working on now? I mean, the audience can't see you, but I I see behind you, mm-hmm. you have the silhouette and you uh, mm-hmm. are always talking about pieces. So tell us what you're working on now. Like I said before, I'm, in, I'm very traditional and I'm just, um, I'm just working on very basic um, pieces. And like I said before, I like to accessorize a lot. So I'm trying to just go back to that basic, um, to that base where you can just wear something very simple, but at the same time, very unique. What like you co- said, I like details a lot. What color patterns are you seeing? I am actually working on something that is kind of beige. And then, and very surprisingly, I do have some neon greens, a pop of color. If I, I'm, I'm just going to be working on uh, suits and then maybe... The the uh, the blouse underneath might be um a neon green just for a pop of color. And you and I have been playing around with the idea of some patriotic uh, mm-hmm. clothing, whether or not it's for everyday wear or dress up, which we will talk about when you come back and as we get closer to mm-hmm. finalizing <laughs> this. And. Um, <laughs> Well, I know how important it is to you and using the red, white, and blue in your design so that mm-hmm, people absolutely. feel like they're proud Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, exactly. us, tell us a little bit about what you see happening, not in, in your world, but overall talking with other fashion designers and stuff like that. You are going to be on mm-hmm. um, multiple TV shows in the fashion industry and because of COVID and everything, your, your plans change like mm-hmm. we discussed. Tell us what you are seeing exactly. because I definitely see from everybody I'm talking with a definite, definite tone and a definite change in the fashion world. 
I just feel after COVID, people are just trying to reinvent, reinvent themselves. Um, and I got a couple of designers that I do know, and they're actually going the complete opposite what they used to do. They, they used to have like very basic, simple lines. But after COVID, they just, I guess they, they were so, so cooked up at the house that they kind of wanted to do something different and something more that is not as classic. Who inspires you in the fashion world? Well, the fashion world, mainly my main one would be, would be Oscar de la, Renta, de la Renta and Carolina Herrera. Those are my two two fashion idols. Can you can you pick two better ones from what we discussed? <laughs> I don't feminine think I and I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Oscar de la Renta is not yeah, with us any longer. He passed away, but uh, his line is still for, full of florals and a line exactly. skirts mm-hmm. and tool and everything feminine and of course carolina is probably now one of the senior people that's respected mm-hmm. in the couture world exactly. and the feminine world i mm-hmm. mean there are others there but they don't they don't represent women it's with, not the same at all right now <laughs> no it's not mm-hmm. and um that's why it was funny when you said that uh you do you like you're seeing a lot of cargo pants and all that because that mm-hmm. wasn't really i mean you you did show actually some gorgeous wide pants with jackets mm-hmm. and anything, but in a way that it was dressed up more like the eighties dynasty exactly. kind of look. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of like white sneaker trends too. Um which I don't quite like unless it's just paired with maybe a white leg, white pant. But I'm seeing a lot of like white sneakers right now everywhere. Where can our audience find out more about you and your designs? Well, as of right now, I'm on Instagram, Ruth Sabeta, but I do, I'm going to put up a, uh, a webpage in the next couple of days and I'm going to have a few teasers where they, people can pre-order. Um, and it's going to be completely custom made. I'm going to have a chart when people, where people can take their measurements and whatever they would like to order, they can do it through my website. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait to have you back in New York. You're not in New York right now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we 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 need American designers for you. One of the reasons you were chosen is because you believe in American, uh, uh, you know, American yeah. workers mm-hmm. uh, and made in America. And mm-hmm. I know you really want to come back stronger than ever. Yes, Who I are do. Some of the celebrities that wore your clothes? Because I remember a lot of the top models were there. And well, the only it was actually one of French actress. Um, it's kind of um, her name is um, HD Leopoldine. She was French and she went to, she wore my, one of my summer pieces to uh, Mohammed Hadid, um, I think, well, pre party we, for a jewelry store. We're not really friends with the Hadid. He's not such a friend to Israel and the Jewish people. Oh, but... I know. I know. And I, I, I know. do know, I apologize, but that's the person that came to mind. And I, I do. Yeah understand that for I sure. know but it, I know the that uh I remember some A-listers at the event and I and you really had been written up in global magazines you had been mm-hmm. featured and we're so glad we were able to feature you on the Jewess Patriot and you're gonna come back and we're gonna really... and I'm so excited because I do get to go to Israel in November so I couldn't I, I cannot wait to go to Israel in November <laughs> Well, we're going to let the Israeli fashion world know that because Tel Aviv is also yes. a fashion yes. place. And, uh, I am going had- to highly enjoy being there and just looking at the, the, um, what they wear on a daily basis. It's just, I've 
I'm I'm gonna get a lot of inspiration. I'm I'm just so excited to go meet to go to Israel for the first time. Well, I'm going to share a little story about the record. When she, uh, Ruth and her mother went to Israel, the last time I was getting text messages from her mother asking me all the places to go, and she was so excited. I really never had people contact me so much with such excitement about <laughs> visiting Israel and wanting to learn more about the Jewish people. And uh, I kept getting also texts about all the kind of trends they see and how they can implement it into yeah. American fashion. <laughs> So, Ruth, Zabetta, thank you so much for joining the Jewess Patriot. We will see you soon, and we can't wait to have you featured in a show uh, that we will collaborate on together. Thank you so much for having me, Cindy. I do appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Brian Schultz, founder of the Freshwater Pro Company. I created the company to honor my mom's legacy and her 19-year journey with breast cancer. I watched all the support she needed along her journey, and it was on my heart to find a way to give back and support other women and families experiencing breast cancer as well. Giving back is a big part of what we do. We donate 2% of our gross online sales to support many nonprofit organizations like Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society, and Runway for Recovery, to name a few. To help support our mission of giving back, please keep the Freshwater Pro Company in mind this month when you need a gift for a friend, family, or loved one. We have many pieces on sale this month and have also curated a number of prepackaged combo sets and gift ideas. We have packages made from our most popular pearl types ranging from Baroque freshwater pearls to coin pearls, as well as our unique and stylish Keshi pearls for all types of budgets and design. You can shop our combo packages and gift ideas at thefreshwaterprocompany.com. Thank you for supporting both our mission and our business. Welcome you back in to the U.S. Patriot with Cindy Gross. My name is Drew Shelton. I am your American Patriot DJ. We are running out of time this hour. So real quick, just want to share with you on this day, the 23rd day of July, the fourth Sunday of July, it is observed as National Parents Day. Every year, fourth Sunday of July, participation from citizens, educational institutions, federal and local governments... Uh, legislative bodies, organizations, all these different activities and events, they all take place to recognize, uplift, and support the role of parents in raising their children. And that is so important in today's crazy world. So we go out today with this song. You know it very well. We are family. We are all in this together. And this song has ties going back to 1979. It was the world champion Pittsburgh Pirates official theme song. Folks, we got to go. Until next time, love somebody, be kind, and choose joy in this crazy world. See ya. This is Cindy Gross, the Jewess Patriot. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for watching the Jewess Patriot Show with Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist, Cindy Gross. 
Be sure to download Cindy's next program, as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish Podcasts. See you next time on The Jewish Patriot Show.